0: Hi and welcome back to Brentwood Stories. In an interesting turn of fate, the next guest for our quarantine conversation series was suggested to us by a guest from the first episode. Edras Hidalgo is a Red Cross volunteer who works alongside Celia Vollmer in providing outreach to the Brentwood community. He shares his unique perspective on providing outreach during the COVID-19 quarantine and a little about what inspired him to become a Red Cross volunteer. Enjoy!
1: My name is Edras Hidalgo. I am I work for a, a dealership, and uh, beside that, I'm a Red Cross volunteer to, to respond in the middle of the night uh, to any kind of disaster, respond like a fire, so any other situations.
0: I see. Uh, so your experience working at the Red Cross um, has there been a huge change in that since the COVID-19 quarantine?
1: The... Correct. When the this virus just started, like back up the March. Before that, we were able to go to the, the clients in the middle of the situation and support them. Sometimes they, they even ask for a hug. We can hug them or we give you some courage war. And besides the basic task we do, like putting in a hotel or give you some blankets or something like that. But uh, according to the need that the people has, uh, we approach them obviously we have more uh, staff doing different things like uh, nurses or social workers who can do after the, like uh, for psychology, like uh, they can help with the uh, mental support or all stuff. But in uh, the during the transaction, like uh, we helped them put in a hotel or do something else before we were able to give it a little more encouraged work and stuff like that. But since COVID started, now we gotta follow a guideline to protect them and protect us. Like sometimes we barely see them from distance. We just droop off the stuff in, on the mailbox or at the door or we talk by phone, even we see next to us. But uh, this is a lot of uh lack of contact. Like now we cannot get close to them and the people in the need, they 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 kind of feel the need to get feel the support a little bit more. Mm. It, it, if I want to be a little, if I give you an example, yes. uh, we, we went to a fire for a single mother with a child who was seven years old. Uh, this uh, young girl uh, living in a basement, uh, her uh, little room was on fire. Mm-hmm. She was sleeping, the son helped her to wake her up, and between both of them, tried to mitigate the fire. She gets some burns in the hand and one of the hand and burns in the one of the legs. So when I get the phone call, I went to help. I I can't, I just were allowed to give it to the car to she can go and sleep somewhere else. It it was, uh, you feel like uh, you help, but at the same time, you feel you didn't complete the task because you see they struggle. Mm -hmm. But you got to find the guidelines, you got to respect that, you got to, that's, that's still getting hard for us, Mm -hmm. as a Red Cross
0: volunteer. From the the people that you work with, helping out via the Red Cross. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like their entire story is being told? Do you think that there's anything due to their living situations that means that they're not getting the same kind of help that they should be getting during quarantine?
1: As a Red Cross, we find all the way to support them to the community because even the, the library couldn't help them and so on, get some uh, school stuff to entertain the kid in those time who they were trapped inside the house. So we find a way to and sources to help them, but uh, it's, it's really they they can't get the hundred percent of the support they used to be have before COVID. This, this, this is a, an understanding for me. Unfortunately, a lot of people struggle with more need. But we are uh, hands tied. We cannot just go and help them. We got to follow the guidelines.
0: It sounds like this, is, this has been hard for you. Has this been hard for a lot of your colleagues? Um, has there been any sort of um, measures that you've taken, maybe some sort of structures that you've developed within the Red Cross to help deal with this with this kind of emotional toll that this might be taking? Yeah.
1: And and besides that, also in my own, my own family, uh, because my wife worked for a nursing home, uh, and, uh, she was in the middle of the more infested area, like uh, people die in that place. Mm -hmm. So when Red Cross asked me if I'm able to go and they every day, they text me or they ask me by phone, are you being uh, surrounded with somebody who work with people or is around with people who is infected for the virus. So but that time I was giving hard time because until we didn't know in my my wife job people were infected. I can say yes, but at then I couldn't respond hundred percent because sometimes I feel I gotta tell what it is. And then the nursing home we get in people dying so I can respond. So then I, I get I see the need, but I cannot go because even if I have no the virus, I have to find the guidelines. So I say, if you being allowed around to somebody who is exposed to the virus, you cannot respond. So I, and somehow I couldn't respond, even if I never get the virus because uh, I have to find the guidelines. So and at the same time, my wife, he was worried because he say, I'm taking all the precautions, but uh, how about you? If you go and respond to the and help people at the house, are you going to get in contact with that? I say, no, but, uh, at the same time, you never know when somebody can be contagious and that, you
0: know? Yeah, that's true. You know, uh, for, forgive me, I don't think I asked this for. How long have you worked with the Red, the Red Cross?
1: Uh, this is a short time. I just started in 2017. Okay. And now it's like a three years, basically.
0: Was there anything that motivated you to join up with them?
1: Yes. Uh, when I was a young kid, my parents uh, were a uh, we were a family, a Christian family. My dad was a, a, a pastor in the church. So mm-hmm. the uh, civil war started in my country, El Salvador. And it was one of the time when the the, conf- the, the conflict get bad and some people get refugees. So my, my dad went and grabbed them to our own bag jar. So I grew up with those values of compassion and uh service to the community. And I, I love to do that. So since I say, when I grow up, I want to find the time to do it. And uh, I have a little bit inconvenience to getting in touch with the Red Cross before, but as I get in, I feel like I get back home and somehow with the, with the values, uh, the Red Cross value with this is compassion, uh, because you gotta be really have those values to respond in the middle of the night and leave your comfort area to go and support another one. So I enjoyed the records because it matched with the value core. My parents taught me and showed me how to live with them. And I enjoyed to do it.
0: how's work been over at the other job right now? So did you have to take any time off from your other work?
1: Yeah when when the one started by March uh, the 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 business closed for a month and uh thanks god uh i was one of the first uh employee today called to come back for the workforce and uh it's a little bit uncomfortable too because we gotta find the protocol but the job that i do i get less i i am in less contact with with the customer because i'm i work for inventory so so we got to take care of the inventory and uh, i deal more with the transportation parts and the customers. So I don't see that often, but I still, we've, we got to follow the protocol because all the cars that we receive for an over the seas or for somewhere else, you got to mm-hmm. follow that. It's, it's uncomfortable. It really, I feel and myself, I will say our day or our week or our month is a little bit more tired now than before the COVID because Every day you go with the mass, and then you gotta follow the protocol. And over here at, at my job, we gotta really be on uh, all the protocol, all the guidelines. And that is, is really a little bit more. You get used to it, but it's tired. And other days, it's a little bit
0: more tired. Yeah, because it's just it's the same workday, but with just all the added measures that you have to take on top yeah, of that. Me- <laughs> so it's just it's the same seven it's the same seven eight hour day, but just with more stuff added in. <laughs> Celia happened to mention when we were um, interviewing her before that some of the outreach that you provide is for members in the undocumented community. And I was wondering if their experience via the COVID quarantine, if there's any aspect of that that might have gone ignored or if there's anything that maybe people should maybe know about or maybe if there's something unique about what they're going through that might be worth sharing.
1: Honestly, it's it's, uh, for us. It is really a topic nobody in the so from the town, never gonna nobody's going to talk about it because it's the uh, community is ignoring somehow, but they are there, you know. Mm. So unfortunately, my stronger uh, service is with them because I speak the language. So every time the Red Cross has uh, those kind of uh, audience, they called me to taking advantage that I speak the language and I also cultural understanding the background of all the Central America or Mexico or Latin America background, so since I understand a little bit more of that, um, it's more easy going for them and for me to build a case and help them. For the, the example that I, uh, I told you before, the girl, the single mother with the with the son seven years old, she was in documentary and uh, she couldn't go any place because she was scared to get cold and send her home send them back to the country because she so any source of help that she can have she couldn't access to because she was fear she was living with fear, even when Red Cross first contact her, she doesn't want to talk with anybody because she was just like a three months since she came from back to Honduras so it was uh i got it i got work to win her trust to be able to provide all the help. And the uh, interest part is even the the roommate who rent right next door to her, they don't want to know about her. They don't want to get in touch with her. And she was afraid to say uh, she was uh, not documented it to of the roommate can, can say something and get the porter. So besides that, she also get. We find a lot of support for her and her son. Some of the teacher who the son has in the only short period of the time the kid went to school, uh, somebody gave it to her, sent it to him, and go to the to the door to their apartment to drop off uh, a small, I call this uh, electronic device. It was an iPad, to so the kid can get in class or entertain some during the the quarantine time. But if somebody stole it outside the the door. Somebody take it away. Some from the the roommate or call, or in the neighbor. Somebody see them. Somebody drop something. So they just get it and stole it. And I say, why well, you call the police? She say, no, I don't want to see the police because the police can call ICE and they're gonna deport me. So they, she lost that device that somebody with compassion come and give it to her. She lost it because somebody stole it and she couldn't report her because she was afraid to the cops uh, call the ICE. But uh, it was very, it was a big, big uh, case that we build, we build it up because at the end, even a uh, cops come to their house and in between some uh, police departments from Police Department, they buy a, a mattress for her because his mattress was, was burning and uh, they, they buy another stuff from their own pocket. So the police from their own pocket, they, and they came and drooper inside in front of his house. She was so happy and her trust, she built up a little bit of confidence and trust in the community and that's exactly when I when we feel the rewarding part, when we make mix and we can be a bridge for those community in the darkness. Like if they feel full of fears and then come and and earn a little bit more trust. Then the cops visit her for more help, and then for, even myself, I step out as a Red Cross. We do our job, and police start keep going to her house to support her. They even help her to put the 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 matters together. That was pretty, pretty. It was a beautiful thing to see. To the lady win trust, and now she understands cops are for protect her, not for create situation for her. You know.
0: Wow. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that they um, that sometimes they reach out to you as, as a resource because of your knowledge of um, the culture and the language. Does your cultural knowledge come in handy a lot when you're speaking with families?
1: I went to school for sociology, so I I was a, a social study teacher back in my country. But it's, it's not the academic part, is it? How do I understand? Because uh, I didn't came uh, illegal to this country. I didn't came in that way, but I understand the story because a lot of my relatives came in that way. I can see in those cases to be one of my sister, or one of my or my mother, or one of my brothers. So when I treated in that way, that helped me out to earn their trust, and they get more support what they are supposed to have. So it it's, it is really helped me. Uh, the language is me. Mean, I have my problem. I have a little bit more struggle speaking to you right now than, than my own community. You know what I mean.
2: It's um. Must feel great being able to help them, like the uh, those stories that you described.
1: It's it's really rewarding. I invite to anybody who can uh, enroll enjoy any uh, institution like the records to support. Like a uh, a week ago, uh, two in the morning last Saturday my colleague Celia and myself she called me like they were a a phone call for a case and I went it was by the LAE Mm -hmm. and she said there is no address physically because it's a trailer I said all right and uh, she said I'm gonna give you the phone number for the person they give me the phone number for the person I called them and the person guide me to the place when I get there it was like a Two tutorials or three in the morning. Oh my God, I see uh, like a 60 year old uh, man, like why I would describe and you know in the racial way, you not know, the description why that man with her, uh, his wife next to his truck. They were parking right in front of the trailer just get born completed. And uh, as soon as I get there, she, he saw me and I understand because he was expecting somebody else no a Latino face. He was very, <laughs> she was very, white. she wasn't expecting a Latino face going help in the middle of the night. She said, you are cross you to come in to help me? Yes, I said, and, and he tests he, he, he test me like, she, he challenged me. He said, what do you see in front of you there? It was a trailer, it was destroyed for the fire. And I see ahead and I say, uh, with all respect, what I see is your home. Was taken away for the fire, and I feel so bad for that. And he started crying,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: he, his wife was it was shaking because at two in the morning, no matter how the weather is right now, when you have a, a incident like that, your nervous system is get shut down, so your immunologic system is now You feel more the temperature. So the lady was shaking, and I give it some blanket to them, and I ask him, do you have any? health issues, like I need to know to provide a little bit more help to you. And he opened the chart and he showed me like a, a month ago, he was in a heart open surgery, like open, open heart surgery. So it's a lot of struggle in the middle of the night. And when you got there and you feel uh, like you can help people regardless where they came from or what is the background it's very rewarding, even, but we have minimized the contact because COVID nineteen put us in a situation we cannot support it the same way. But I was so I was so happy that I could I, I don't like meet people in this situation, but I was so happy to be able to uh provide the, the Red Cross provide. It's not my help, it's a Red Cross and donor support, but I just a volunteer who spent time to instead of being in the bed at two in the morning, I, I love to go and, and serving, you know.
2: Have you worked with Celia since you started volunteering? Basically
1: my first assignment it was since I signed in because I want to put this this is a good question what you, you just did right now. I was looking for record to be part of the records for many years but something in my immigration situation don't allow me until as soon I get, more, uh, my status, get better. So I, I enjoy the, the, the Red Cross. But the thing is, I always see Celia as the face of the Red Cross in my town. So every time I see her, I say, one day I'm going to ask her, where can I go to sign in? So every time I see her, one time I say, are you, you are working with the Red Cross? I'm a volunteer. She said. I say, I want to be part of the Red Cross. What can I do? They say, go to the website. So Celia, it was the link for me, was the bridge that I get uh, into Red Cross. Since then, most of our response together, we, are, we, we respond together. She, obviously, she has experienced like 13 years. I learned a lot from her. And but she saw how open her I was and uh, how I was the, desperately to, for help. And she guided me in the first steps to, um, until now, we we get in touch almost every day to support people, and not only with Red Cross. Now we can see more community engagement. Uh, she let me know. I let her know, and we we do as much as we can through other institutions, like uh, she said to.
2: That's great. So you so you you actually saw her knew of Celia before you, got into the Red Cross, and you knew she was the she representative to you.
1: Yeah, I see it in the news day. So I see it all. And I don't know where that I see her. wearing the vest. And I say, uh, finally, I see somebody physically to represent the Red Cross and I can go in. Because you cannot see Red Cross easily besides a volunteer This is serving in some place, you know?
2: Yeah. And she's been such a good um, representative for the Red Cross, I think. I think um, a lot of people, when they see Celia, they see her as... Um, someone who knows so many people in the community and brings such a... I mean, the Red Cross is a great organization, but maybe an even more positive image to it.
1: Honestly, Celia as a Red Cross is, is a, a big example and a model to follow, but her her own style of serving the community to the library, you have no idea the impact it has on the people even when Red Cross has a lot of respect for the Brainwood Library because uh, this is a lot, of, a lot of activities and only activities and a lot of sources from the library, like Red Cross has been taking advantage of somehow, even myself. So I go in my chief, when I, I well, this is my, the time from the 13 to the 20 that I need to formally, I'm on call, I go to the library to get the hotspot device to be able oh. in the middle of the night to help the people because my, when you are there, sometimes the laptop that we have from records has no good signal. So I, I, I got to go to the library to have them. And uh, I that's the way that I, I can have uh, internet in the, in the middle of the night. This is a source from the library. We can never uh, have for somebody else. Uh, how I can get uh, free Wi-Fi or all those the, the benefit from the hotspot unit? From the library, and I also refer all the people to the library for mental health, because this that's how it works. We fill it up a case, but formally we need to step away, and then there is a follow uh, case work followed them. When the when the case work finish uh, the case, everything is closed. We have no contact with clients at all, but sometimes they see me and they remember I helped them. And they say. I need more help. So I send them to the library. I say, This is a social worker inside the library. Bring them to the library. Speak Spanish. They can help you and they can support you with for mental help or a low uh, advisor, uh, even for a, a lot of stuff. I We are, we have a lot of referral. Myself, I do a lot of referrals to the library because I feel the backup of the library as a Red Cross. I feel there is an institution is more close to my community, even with the records, what is the, the Brown Public Library. So even if I know they are not from the, the town, I say, you don't need to be from the town sometime to get some support, like a food or stuff, like we do the, the this, uh, I say, the hungry, I call this institution who serve food every other-
2: All uh, oh, right, person. the Long Island Harvest.
1: Harvest. So I send them to the library. I, we, I've been referring a lot of people to the library since I know how the library can be. Uh, oh, that's awesome!
2: Yeah. It sounds like the the Red Cross is really teaming up with the library, maybe even more than we, you and I know.
0: I so cool. I'm so glad that all these services that we've been providing are are getting so much library. Since quarantined uh, have you been faring well as far as staying home? are you able to keep in touch with all of your family members
1: I think uh I wish, in my case I'm still a little bit uh let's say sub stressed for because my wife worked for the nursing home so she is still and somehow I gotta take care of myself because I don't want her transport I, I don't want to be a focus of uh, contagion from the virus to the nursing home, but at the same time, I don't want the nursing home bring the virus to my house. You know what I mean? So, oh, yes. so it's, it's it's a a, a very uh, that's what I say is we already have eight hours of work plus our service as a volunteer, but uh, that we got it. I gotta be protecting myself a little bit more not because my health is because. My wife works for the place where there's a lot of elders, and they're they depend on how healthy the employees also are. So that never nobody talks about it, but at the same time, that put some stress every day. Mm-hmm. So on a daily basis, your feel your day is a little bit more heavy because you got the responsibility to not only take care of myself, my well-being, or my own family, my own sickle. Even I gotta take care also because there is a lot of elderies. And at the same time, I respond in the middle of the night, so I don't want somebody who just get and fire on the house situation, living in the, staying in the street in the middle of the night. I don't want to go and contagion them because I didn't put attention. So it is more responsibility as uh, volunteers uh, from Red Cross or another institution. Uh, is this is a more demanding uh, responsibility than like the, the normal employee of people has in their own house. So that is still, for me, adding a little bit of uh, weight on my shoulder every day. And somehow, if I want to be honest with you, you know?
0: Is the, is the holiday season, which is up and coming, do you ever see an increase in calls during the holiday season? Do you expect that coming?
1: As a Red Cross volunteer, we get more calls because the temperature is changing and they, they, don't, get, they don't prepare themselves for, uh, for the house, like uh, fire alarms or clean the all the system for boilers or stuff. They don't do the preparation in the house. So we got more phone calls for emergencies, not because it's the holiday season, because the people trying to be more warm and, and they do
0: stuff they're not supposed to do. You know? I see. Uh, Peter, do you think it's time for the question? (laughs) Yeah, I think it's time. (laughs) Uh, There's always a a fun question we like to ask on the podcast, particularly also speaking about quarantine. Has it changed anything about the kind of food that you eat on a day-to-day basis? Did you used to go out to restaurants a lot and now you're eating more at home? Or is it just the same, just ordering out as usual? Uh, My family, we have as much as we can to... Honestly, we
1: didn't visit restaurants since since pandemic started mm-hmm. and uh the same we do i think we have a place we used to be do go to riverhead but it's open it's a pizzeria it's the only time but uh, we don't we we avoid it
0: oh well now, now i'm curious uh what's this yeah. pizza we place of? It is a, it's a piece
1: of we used to be going with uh, my because in the summertime we do a lot of, with my wife we do a lot of like uh kayak things so this is a place yeah. We can drop the kayak on the in the upper river from Peconic, uh, Peconic River, and we we'll get we we'll land exactly at the edge of the place to has the pizza. We just get down with the pizza, and keep, you know, paddling. So that's why we do it.
0: I know where I know where you go, because uh, I, me and me and my fiance, we do kayaking at Riverhead too. Uh, we usually rent over at the Peconic Paddler. And That's what you, it is. Yeah, and then you take the take it down to you. You pull up All the right next down. to the pizza plates. That's fantastic. Oh, OK. Yeah, I know exactly <laughs> where you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, yeah. This has been fantastic. I really do appreciate you taking the time out to come and speak with us. Um, we're, we're, we're kind of approaching the 7 yeah. o'clock mark over here. I don't think I had too many other uh, questions or anything. Peter, do you have anything else you felt like asking? Or
2: Great talking to you today. Um, hmm. Is there anything that you wanted to let us know for like future people who might um, listen to this podcast? Is there anything that you want to make sure that they know about your experience or the experience of people that you've seen during the whole quarantine?
1: Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't get
2: that. Oh, is there anything you want to make sure that when people listen to our, our recording in the future, in years from now, is there anything that you want to make sure that, they get to hear about, about your experience or about any of the people that you saw during the quarantine? Is there anything you want to make sure that is safe? for
1: So I would say is this, don't pretend to be by yourself. Like uh, you got You always have to be living in, in the community, in the community uh, environment mentality, because if you need it or somebody need it, you got to be for them or people are going to be for you. So there is no time for the people to live uh, isolated, you know, because the virus itself is a danger and put us in our home, like quarantine. But if we isolate ourselves spiritually and emotionally, that is a little bit more strong. So we got to live in the community
0: mindset
1: uh, mentality and at the same time be able to help So. If you don't help, if you don't have that rewarding part in your in your soul that make you only your job, feeling like that you are just living for the pay or for the money you need for your bills. But if you do something is rewarding, uh, you get strange spiritual strength coming from your own soul. Like uh, you can you can uh, enjoy life in different in a different way.
0: You know. think <laughs> so? because
2: look very profound that's i think that must be very true because so many people even when they didn't become sick during this whole thing they were saying how the quarantine and not being a part of the community really hurt them so much and they wanted to have that sense of connection and meaning Mm -hmm. it is it is uh, at the end no matter if this is
1: uh, through I say, virtual, like we're doing right now. I didn't have the chance to meet you before, but I meet you like soon. Uh, you don't need to be in big meetings to be part of the community, but uh, you have to get the desire in your heart. Okay, you are, you are connecting. So you need to be, as a human being, you need to be connected and uh, be part of the community. If you live in that community, You got to love the community and you got to support the community because at the end, the community support you. So the morning you go seven in the morning, find the bell store. So you live in that community, you know, the afternoon you go to the mail to see if this is something is new for you or your p-box or something. So at the end, we we get the the benefit from the community as I get benefit from the library. So the less I can do is be support for the library. So we got to be in the mindset of, uh, we cannot live by uh, our our own life, independent oh, yes. or isolated. Oh,
0: sure. <laughs> I, I, th- I think that's a great final thought right there. Uh, <laughs> I think that really captures everything, don't you, yeah. Peter? I, I agree. I agree. Um, I, I don't. I don't think we should try and top that. So <laughs> let's wrap things up over here. Address. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. I really appreciate you. it.
1: It's a pleasure to meet you. Uh, good evening, everybody. Bless for your families.
0: Thank you so much. You take care Bye. now. Many thanks again to Ed for taking the time out of his day to join us. With all the wonderful guests we have spoken with, these episodes can take some time before they are released. Thank you to all of our listeners for their continued support, and thank you as always to the Brentwood Historical Society for making this podcast possible. We here at the Brentwood Public Library wish you a happy and healthy 2021. Today's music is brought to you as always by Dr. Turtle. You can download his music for free at freemusicarchive.org.